from a societal level, we are really recognizing that uh, it's just so much more important to learn how to form that that new relationship with the person that they are now. Um, and yeah, it's difficult and it's not easy and it's very gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching for family and friends, but um, there's so many rewards if you're able to open yourself up to that. Um, and so that, you know, I, I wanted to, that was a piece of it, to tell the stories of the families and the people living with um, Alzheimer's or dementia diagnosis. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons. We are the largest law firm in the world with offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries available to support you everywhere you do business. We are a law firm that embraces change and can help you grow, protect, operate, and finance your organization, which is why Dentons is organized to offer more than just legal insight. We're here to help you find business solutions in a seamless fashion across the globe. Hi everyone, my name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today I'm joined by John Lowther, a director with the Dementia Association for Awareness and Support. Welcome, Jonna. Hello, Heather. Thanks for joining us. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself and your interest in this dementia space? Yeah, sure. Um, I have been a, a former family caregiver of um, someone living with Alzheimer's and dementia. And it has a tendency, we, we have a high risk for that diagnosis in my family on my mother's side. And so it's something that is a very keen interest to me because of that. So that's the first thing that, that kind of connects me to this dementia space. And then the second thing is that I really fell into a career uh, around related to dementia because in university, I. <laughs> Uh, answered a part-time ad to work at a long-term care center and doing like recreational therapy activities, programming, painting people's nails, you know, playing the piano, that kind of stuff. All the fun and things. All the fun things, all the fun things. And um, I, they, when I showed up, you know, for the job interview to do the job, they said, oh, and by the way, uh, can you do this on our secured care unit, which is for our Alzheimer's and dementia residents? And I was like, sure, why not? You know? <laughs> why not? Sounds good. And actually at that time, I had not, I um, had not experienced the Alzheimer's diagnosis with my uh, grandfather at, at the time yet. That was really my first taste of, of, you know, really close interaction and someone living with a diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. I, I continued to do that job uh, while, in, while in school and always thought I would find a real job. <laughs> and I kind of never left that field. I, I really discovered that I love working with that population, so to speak, like that, you know, they, I really made friends of those people living with that diagnosis. And I recognized yeah. that they were just trapped behind a wall that was prohibiting them from communicating and engaging in life. And I really, uh, I just, I could see that, I could sense it, I could feel it. And, um, and I felt like it was my job to be there to help find a way to communicate with them around those barriers. So that just slowly turned into a, a career, you know, doing recreational therapy programming and then slowly, you know, being a director over some memory care services and and then in, involved with the senior management team doing that across the, the nation. I'm from the United States, so I did that work in the United States. And then um, here I am in Canada and found you and uh, <laughs> I'm still, still having touch points to the dementia space. 
I think it's really interesting because there's a number, I bet you that there would be a number of people who, you know, in the in similar situation to you, they, they, they're in your shoes looking for a part-time job. They think that they're going to do, you know, the recreation and some fun and games and the painting the nails and all those fun things, but maybe not so comfortable with the, the clientele who have lost that ability or are continuing to lose the ability you know, to communicate and, and are kind of moving away from what they were in their in their prime years, which is, of course, devastating for them. But I think it is really a, a very much of a, a personality fit for the, the worker who embraces that versus, you know, the staff member who might be more reluctant because they're not as comfortable and familiar. And so when you talk about, you know, the personal the family connection and how you obviously you're very comfortable with your family members and you've known them before the diagnosis and it's it's easier perhaps to accept that um that pathway or that, that they're on that pathway when you've lived that personally as opposed to the you know the random people that you didn't know before their their diagnosis so maybe a little bit fortuitous that you landed there and then that that uh you know has stayed with you and obviously you've you've made a name for yourself in that in that space and continued as you said, to, to forge those friendships with those people who really are looking for that, that kind of care. So now, so now we fast forward a little bit and now you're in Canada and in the last few years, I know that you have, um, have had a little project on the side where you're the host of a podcast called Life with Dementia. So it sounds like you know, you've always had this connection. What what led you to want to host that particular podcast, and what what is its focus? Um, I really think that it is the power of storytelling, Heather. Um, you know, it's again, I had that personal tie and that personal relationship to the diagnosis in my family, but again, through my friendships that I had made with the the people I was, you know, helping take care of, and um, just being able to relate to that person living with dementia just as another normal human being who, right, who has right. some sort of deficit that um, is misunderstood. And, and you know, 2021 knowledge and education and, and even cultural practices around how we treat people living with dementia look different than they were 30 years ago. I mean, some people would say not different enough, which I can <laughs> agree with 100%. Right. But um, we just we're from 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 a societal level, we are really recognizing that uh, it's just so much more important to learn how to form that that new relationship with the person that they are now. Um, and yeah, it's difficult and it's not easy and it's very gut wrenching and heart wrenching for family and friends. But um, there's so many rewards if you're able to open yourself up to that. Um, and so that, you know, I, I wanted to, that was a piece of it to tell the stories of the families and the people living with um, Alzheimer's or dementia diagnosis. And then also just because I accidentally ended up working in that field for 20 years, I myself through that entire period would, you know, read and, and, and inadvertently research topics related to dementia and Alzheimer's and learn how to integrate it into the work that I was doing. And so I've always found it really important to be for um, like the podcast for me is about disseminating information at a really practical level. Yeah. And I think that's so important for families in particular who are dealing with, um, you know, a loved one who, who has dementia or who maybe are somebody who's experiencing it themselves to know that 
there are some practical things. Like it's all it's all well and good at a very academic level to kind of understand what's happening to your brain, but how do you get through the day? How do you put a you know tips and strategies in place when you lose your keys a hundred times or pick your you know pick the challenge that you have? How can you still you know function in a way that that allows you to contribute to society? And I think that there's a lot of I don't want to call it really low hanging fruit, but I think that there's a lot of you know um, experience sharing that people who have who have or who are living with that situation right now um, can just talk about and then when someone hears that they say oh like that could work in my situation it's actually a, a interesting because in my world in my lawyer world i feel like i help people i hold their hand and i help people navigate a situation that they're not familiar with they're not familiar with how you know how to find investors or how to incorporate a company or pick your legal issue and and it's it's not that it's rocket science, but if you've never been through it, you you don't even really know necessarily what to look for. And so I think there's a, you know an analogy about that power of storytelling and and just the experience sharing that normalizes the situation for other um, you know for other family members. I think the other thing that's interesting is it's really to your point about how you know in 2021 it's it's interesting or we're 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 shining a spotlight differently and thinking about how to interact with people with disabilities not just dementia but all kinds yeah. of disabilities and how to be inclusive but i also think that it's really an opportunity to focus on the uh, like on what they can do as opposed what what is their ability as opposed to what is the disability and to let that light shine through and i think you told me previously that you have a co-host who helps you. What What's that all about? Because I think that really highlights exactly what you're saying. It does, yeah. So I actually have a, a co-host um, who's been with me for, for many months now um, named Roger Marple. And he is a person living with early onset uh, Alzheimer's. And oh, so he's a, he's a passionate advocate, of course, as someone living with that diagnosis um, around just speaking about it and creating, you know, better awareness and reducing the stigma uh, just in the cultural community, you know, like what that's like in, in society. Right. Um, and he is phenomenal. I have really enjoyed like just having his voice and his input and his um, just his insight. Like it, it's, it's taken that that for me, which was a very heart-driven project of, of trying to see someone living with dementia through the lens of that diagnosis. And I've, I, years ago, I actually, I wrote a book called Through the Eyes of Dementia. And I, I always believe that was the missing link that for people that couldn't, that were struggling to relate or care for um, a family member with that diagnosis, is they just couldn't get themselves enough in those shoes to figure out how to communicate or to figure out how to find successful, you know, moments and complete tasks together. Um, and so this kind of come full circle now that I'm including Roger as a co-host because it's not just me like trying to convince people to see things through the lens of, of that diagnosis. Uh, Roger's right there and he's living it. So it's, yeah. pretty, awesome. it's pretty awesome. It's a really interesting perspective to have, um, you know, maybe some myths busted a little bit in terms of what is it actually like to, you know, to experience that and how does the world treat you when, you know, when they know that you maybe have a cognitive impairment or you're, you know, as you say, dealing with that early onset and what does that do for your, for your life in, in the episodes that I've listened to with him, he, he has a, he's, he's, first of all, he's very optimistic and he focuses on sort of all of the you know the really bright things in his life but he's the first one to say 
I can do this. So just because I have a diagnosis doesn't mean that I am, you know, I need to be on the sidelines, but he's very involved. He's a, he's a very you know, passionate advocate. And so I think it's great that there's a way to include that perspective because of course the whole point of, of the, the podcast is, is to focus on how you live well with the disease and what better way to, you know, to hear that or to, to, to have that resonance than with somebody who's, who's doing exactly that, right? He's not, he's not sulking. He's not saying, oh, poor me. Um, and he's really found a way to continue to, you know, to live his life, um, even with the with diagnosis. Absolutely. And he's very open and honest about the fact that like, well, sometimes that means that he needs information presented differently or that he needs, right. you know, certain interventions or tactics that, uh, you know, allow him to be that engaged. Right. And so it's yeah. just a wonderful example and inspiration to, to others and families. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting that, you know, he recognizes that because we all need information presented differently. You and I would learn differently. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's no different. It's no different. And I think it's a, it's, it's a, a, a nice reminder to the power of that inclusivity for, for, for all of us. Yeah. I want to move on just a little bit because I know that uh, the Dementia Association for Awareness and Support, also called DAS, does, does more than just the podcast. Um, and it has another product, I guess, that is focused on similar things to what the podcast is doing, building community, building resilience, building support, um, focused on caregivers, on caregivers who are providing care to people living with, with dementia. And I've heard that that product is known as Tusk. And I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of information about Tusk and what its vision is or what the vision is for Tusk. You know, the whole goal behind Tusk, uh, which is a technology tool, it's, you know, a platform via, you know, internet, website, whatever. But yeah. the whole goal behind uh, Tusk is to provide navigation assistance for dementia caregivers uh, to essentially find the information or resources they need in their area and have like curated educational content at their fingertips that is relevant to where they and their loved one are at on the journey. And it's relevant specifically about where where their loved one is at on on the spectrum and of of the diagnoses and you know different symptoms they're experiencing because one of the facets of tasks is uh, something that that is labeled as a symptom tracker, and it simply is you know simple a series of questions that a family member can answer around the ability of their loved one living with dementia. And it, and it just, in the background, sort of slots them into a, a care pathway, right? Yep. And so then we know, um, you know, a, as care providers who work in healthcare or work in dementia care spaces, we know that the care pathway for that diagnosis has certain services that are needed at, at, at certain points, right? And, and right. Uh, so it's, it's really that idea of helping and hoping to prevent caregiver burnout by observing, you know, this is where your loved one is at uh, in the pathway. These are the types of services that maybe you're looking to find access to. So the tool can actually connect you to those resources uh, and service providers. Um, but it also kind of lets you, you, you can still have access to see what are the um, service providers or recommended educational content that maybe you should look at for the next phase on the pathway, the next phase of the journey? So it's really trying to help 
plot the pathway. So if, so if I was, in fact, in my situation, my mom was providing care for, for my stepfather who had dementia and all everything that you're saying really resonates because she would say to me, you know, frequently, well, maybe I figured out what, what we need for today. So we have the home care or we have, you know, whatever we need for, for the stage that we're at. But there was all this stress and all this uncertainty about, well, what happens when the when the disease progresses? What happens when, you know, mobility becomes a problem or, you know, pick your pick your ailment, COVID, what happens in all these things? And if all if all of those supports or, or if those supports aren't um, as much as you need and you need more, now I have to start all over again and I have to like figure out when that's going to happen. But when you're the, the loved one providing the care for the person with dementia, I suspect unless you've done this multiple times, I suspect that you don't have a crystal ball for how long will I be in this particular phase versus how long will I be, you know, in, in the next phase. And so it sounds like this platform is really trying to help people understand at a, at a high level, the pathway so that they can better plan for what they'll, what supports they'll need when they now, and also in the future when the condition deteriorates. Is yeah, that that's that is that's really the idea and that is the goal. And then the the like secondary goal associated with this is that um, you can be connected virtually to to someone else who understands what you're going through to to like a peer navigator or an, a, another care coordinator um, who understands test the tools so knows how to use it, knows how to reference certain materials and educational content within it that's relevant to your circumstance as a family caregiver. Yep. Um, and, and, and you can just discuss what it's, what is your immediate challenge and, um, you know, just being able to, to discuss that with someone else who knows how to navigate the system and, and because they're using TUS and leveraging that as a tool to support this individual family caregiver, you can pull up and see what are the immediate service providers in your area that, um, might be something you need at home. Yeah. The, the platform uh, provides some, some sort of generic, like, you know, search as you will, search for your service provider, but the navigator helps personalize that for you. So if you have a particular, you know, situation that maybe isn't handled perfectly on the platform, there's still a human element right. um, can yeah. connect with. And I suspect that certainly with the demographic of, of, you know, the demographic is changing, of course, but with older adults who maybe aren't as technologically happy uh, or, or, or as as able to deal with technology as some of the younger generations, I bet they really rely on that human interaction to help provide that personalized care to, to make it less scary for them to adopt a platform like, like Tusk. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a new tool. It's a new product in sense. And so it's, it's also building its, its inner community like that, but that's a piece yeah. of it too, because family caregivers, it's not just um, like, it sometimes it is just having that listening ear, right? It is just having someone who understands sure. what you're experiencing. Yeah, I think I think that the journey of being a caregiver can feel pretty lonely, much like being an entrepreneur. Uh, my entrepreneur clients tell me that that's a very lonely journey because you never know when the next crisis is happening, and you don't have you know necessarily a hundred workers that you can call on to to help you problem solve. So I like the concept of the navigator being there to you know, to help you out when you're in a crisis or to proactively try to prevent you from having that crisis by, you know, yeah. by that, uh, that personalization. You're kind of playing a navigator role with this podcast for entrepreneurs, aren't you? A little bit. I kind of play the navigator role for, for, you know, complicated legal problems too. <laughs>
right? What, um, from a, from a, I guess, from a use perspective, is the platform meant, and maybe the answer is both, but is the platform meant for caregivers or is the platform really designed for like an organization who maybe has workers who are supporting these caregivers or is it designed for both? Is there a use case for both? There's a definite use case for both. Um, you know, its original inception, I think, was just the goal was to help the individual caregiver, right? Um, yeah. Which is still the old, that is the overall goal. But um, you can reach a lot more, you can reach far more people in need if you partner with organizations who also have touch points to those individuals. So I think it would be a very relevant tool for organizations to use um, in additional support to caregivers that they may be serving, whether they're dementia caregivers or, you know, family caregivers. I myself, you know, work with Caregivers Alberta, a nonprofit here based in Edmonton, but we serve the entire province. And, um, you know, our, our, our staff essentially, you know, you know, serves as some of that um, navigation to, to clients around the province. And we, you know, we could benefit from using additional tools that would uh, support clients in rural areas where we're not the experts of what's available right there. Yeah. Right. And, and, and those things change, right? Like some organizations come and go and uh, yeah. seen a lot of, of um, attrition due, due to COVID and due to funding. And so it is a, it is a challenge to stay on top of who is the service provider in this particular area. So having yeah. a lot of sense to have a, a platform that aggregates that information and, and continues to, to be relevant, continues to be updated as uh, yeah. information changes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Where can our listeners find out more about the Dementia Association, <clears throat> about Life with Dementia, the podcast, and about Tusk? Uh, you can just go to DementiaAssociation.ca, just spelled out just like it sounds, DementiaAssociation.ca, There's um, and you can find information about Life with Dementia podcast, which is a project of DAS, and also Tusk, which is a, a project of DAS as well. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jonna. All right. Thanks, Heather. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.